Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for June 29th, 2022. Economic growth this year has been weaker than expected, mostly from lingering supply shocks and inflation, as well as the negative impacts of the Russian invasion of Ukraine and a significant slowdown in the world economy. Could a recession be on the horizon? Nationwide's Chief Economist David Burson, Deputy Chief Economist Brian Jordan, and Senior Economist Ben Ayers provide their mid-year perspectives on the economy and financial markets. And now, here's David Burson. Hi everyone, joined today with Brian Jordan and Ben Ayers, and we're going to talk about our outlook for the economy and financial markets at mid-year. So what do we think will happen over the rest of this year? And then maybe even a look ahead to next year. Let, let's let's go big with the first question. So Ben, we had negative real GDP growth in the first quarter. According to the, uh, the Atlanta Fed's GDP now, GDP for the second quarter is up 0.3%. That's basically zero. Could easily be negative. We get a negative read for the second quarter. Of course, second quarter is almost done. Are we in recession now? I think it would be tempting to say so based upon what has traditionally been a a definition of a recession of two negative quarters in a row, but that's not the definition. And and more so, I think that you know, while the economy has not performed certainly as well as we had hoped, when you look at the beginning of the year, um, still I do not think it's a recession. I think there's a lot of factors that have driven that. First and foremost, um, we've seen the impact of supply chain shocks and further negative supply shocks, particularly because of the war in Ukraine, um, but also the COVID shutdowns in China. And that's really had a big impact on growth and particularly helping to push up inflation and causing many consumers and businesses start to pull back. Um, you know, I will say the Q1 number is a bit of an outlier. Most of that was being driven by trade and inventory cutbacks, and much less so than the core economy, where we actually saw pretty good numbers from both consumers and businesses. Obviously, the numbers through Q2 have been a little weaker than we would have hoped as well. But still, I think it's not indicative of a recession at this stage. It's more just a kind of a growth slowdown in the middle of this expansion. Obviously, still some risk factors with the Fed raising interest rates so much. But at this stage, not a recession just more of a, a growth slowdown in the middle of the expansion. Well, we've gotten some bad numbers from the consumer, uh, both this week and last. If you look at the University of Michigan's Consumer Sentiment Index and the Conference Board's Consumer Confidence Index, the Sentiment Index, which we got last week, fell to its lowest level ever. Consumers have never been, I guess, more depressed than they are now. And the Consumer Confidence number from the Conference Board was down, although admittedly, still to an, a somewhat above average level. Does that temper your, your optimism on, on growth going forward? It does a little bit. Obviously, businesses are struggling right now. I mean, you have a, a big impact of increase in labor costs, big impact of an increase in input costs, and the combine of that is really squeezing the profit margins for many businesses. And obviously, the high inflation is causing in, in consumers to pull back. And, you know, much of the story over the past couple of years has been how much potential spending ability that consumers have, you know, both from income gains and from saving rates. And saving rates have come back to normal. Income gains have still remained pretty solid. 
but obviously they're getting stretched very thin in many households because of the increase in costs at the pump, at the grocery store, really everywhere you're seeing that. So it does temper my expectations. You know, when we came into the beginning of the year, we thought the economy was going to grow quite strongly, coming off of the very strong momentum we had coming into the year. Certainly that momentum has been sapped. Uh, you see we talked about the, the poor growth over the first half of the year. Um, I do think the second half of the year we will eke out some positive gains, um, but still for the year as a whole, we're, we're not looking for very strong growth, probably just slightly above trend, uh, maybe in that two to two and a half percent range. And that's much weaker estimate than what we had at the beginning of the year. And it's certainly reflective of a pullback in consumers, not a pullback to the point of a recession again, but I still think yet again, more of a growth slowdown and a pullback across the board. So you mentioned inflation and let, let's talk for a minute about the financial side of the economy and, and, and turn to Brian. So Brian, inflation's at about at a 40-year high and Federal Reserve has promised they're gonna be tightening monetary policy to get inflation down. That is goal number one. Do you think it's likely that the Fed will be able to, to get inflation out of the system by raising interest rates without causing a recession? Or can we get a soft landing? Well, we absolutely can get a soft landing. The Fed's going to have to get lucky to some degree to achieve a soft landing. We've talked on this podcast, on prior podcasts, about the Fed's relatively poor track record in engineering um, soft landings. Three times over the last nine tightening cycles, the Fed has been able to engineer soft landings. But the Fed could get lucky this time. A big chunk of that increase in the consumer price index, a big chunk of the increase in the PCE price index has been due to exogenous factors, the supply shock that was occasioned by the COVID pandemic. And uh, the second supply shock that uh, hit this year with the war in Eastern Europe, those exogenous shocks could go away or they could could diminish over the course of uh, the rest of 2022 and into 2023. I think there's a great deal of evidence suggesting that the COVID shock, at least, is already diminishing and in some cases diminishing significantly. So the Fed could get lucky here. Historically, again, the track record is not great. If you look, in fact, at the the change in the inflation rate during Fed tightening cycles across every tightening cycle over the last half century, going back to the early 1970s, the inflation rate has risen from the start of the tightening cycle to the end of of the tightening cycle. This is because inflation hits with a lag. Monetary policy has its effect, its impact with a lag. And so if the Fed is hoping to slow inflation in the short term, history says it's not going to be successful. Well, as recently as the middle of March, the Fed's primary tool for conducting monetary policy, the federal funds rate, the lower bound was at zero, range of zero to 0.25%. And um, the Fed has been pretty aggressive so far in tightening monetary policy. And, and today, that range of the federal funds rate is 1.5 to 1.75%. And if you look at the most recent forecast from the Federal Open Market Committee, the Fed is saying by year end, we could see the federal funds rate up by another 200 basis points, 35 to 3.75%. Do you think that if the Fed tightens that much, that perhaps not this year, but might we see that as too much tightening and, and, a, and a, a turn down in a recession at, you know, at some point in, say, the, the next year, year and a half? Or do you think that the Fed 
will pull back that the forecast of three and a half, 375, maybe what they're thinking now. But do you think it's likely we'll actually get there? I think there's a good chance that we will not get there. If we look back um, historically again, we see that the, the, the Fed's best laid plans often don't come to fruition. If we just simply go back to the last cycle, for example, uh, the Fed was expecting to continue tightening in 2019. The Fed's dot plot at the end of uh, 2018 suggested a continuation of the cycle in 2019. As it happened, the Fed actually was cutting short-term interest rates in 2019, not because of a recession, but simply because of a, a slowdown, a soft patch in economic growth. Historically, it hasn't taken much for the Fed to turn, to pivot away from, from tighter policy. We'll see if this time is different. Uh, we see a lot of comparisons recently between the current Fed, the Jay Powell Fed, and the Paul Volcker Fed of the late 1970s and early 1980s. You mentioned earlier inflation uh, currently at a 40-plus year high, and this has um, evoked um, um, echoes of the Volcker era when the Fed aggressively raised short-term interest rates, brought down inflation, engineered a double-dip recession as well. But in that, in that time, in the late 1970s and early 1980s, when the economy slowed, when the unemployment rate started picking up, even the Volcker Fed pivoted towards easier policy. And in fact, on a couple of occasions, eased policy aggressively, didn't just stop tightening, but aggressively eased policy during those recessions in 1980 and then again in, in 81, 82. So if this Fed is going to keep going, even as the economy slows, even as the economy perhaps slips into a downturn, that would mean it has to out Volcker Paul Volcker. That's an interesting phrase. I've not heard that one, out Volcker, Paul Volcker. Ben, the housing market this year started, started pretty strongly. Very strong housing starts, good sales, although clearly held back by lack of inventories. And then with higher mortgage rates, we've seen home sales decline, except good data over the last few days where we have seen a, a pickup in new home sales for May, and, and a small pickup, but not a decline in pending home sales for, for existing sales, which of course is a leading indicator for existing sales. What does that tell us about the housing market? Is Has the rise in mortgage rates done everything it's going to do for housing? Uh, will further mortgage rate increases lower housing still more? Well, I do think housing market is on a downtrend. You, know, you look at the activity so far this year, and certainly what we would call a pretty historic jump in mortgage rates over the past couple of months is having an impact on activity, and I think it will. But I think the positive numbers that you've mentioned over the past month or so indicate it's it's not always a a fully downward trend. And I think there's still a lot of positive things for housing that will prevent the floor for housing from being nearly as, as deep as it has been in past cycles. I think, you know, the, the natural comparisons, people want to look back at the housing market collapse of the, the mid 2000s, say, oh, it's happening again. Mortgage rates are up. The, the economy is slowing. That's going to happen again this time. But that's not really the normal historic trend. Typically, housing pulls back more modestly uh, and you see a pullback, obviously, in activity and sales, a slowdown in new home construction. You see that 
that house prices do slow. Very rarely do they turn negative, but they do slow from the trends that they were going into that cycle. And I think that's likely to be repeated this time around. The lack of supply, on the, particularly on the existing home market, will continue to support new home construction and new home sales as there still is pretty good demand out there. And I think overall we will see sales slip, um, but not going to plummet. I think we're going to see a little bit of slower pace this year and probably a slower pace over 2023 as we continue to see those mortgage rates go up. But I think the floor is still pretty high. And I do think that house price gains also will cool off. Uh, really, to this stage, we've only taken off the excess demand. I think we still have pretty good overall underlying demand, both driven by pretty good job gains and continued income gains, but also demographics, as many of those millennial age group is aging into prime home buying years. And so I do think we are in a early stages of a slowdown for housing, but I don't see anything like a housing market crash on the horizon. And I think we're going to continue to see pretty solid numbers. It's not quite as strong as we've seen over the past two years. So even with a slowdown in housing, you're not expecting uh, house price declines, or at least not of the magnitude that we saw during the uh, great financial crisis of the, the late 2000s. No, nothing like that. I mean, obviously, they're at peaks right now. Most house price measures are at or near 20% increase over the past year. Um, that's going to come down. I think by the end of this year, we'll still probably show right about 10% on a year-over-year -year basis and then going down more to more normal levels in that 3 to 5% range in the years ahead. But yet again, I think with underlying demand still remaining quite strong and actually supply still probably quite limited, that's going to prevent those house prices from showing outright declines across the national economy. Obviously, local markets, you could see some short periods of modest declines, but I think on a national perspective, uh, don't expect a, an outright decline in house prices. Let's turn our attention to, to light vehicle sales. They uh, went down in May. In fact, the, the weakest sales that we've seen since uh, we were just coming out of the COVID recession. How much of that is still supply side constraints and, and mostly computer chips? How much of that is just underlying weakness in, in auto demand? I think the vast majority of it is mainly supply. You know, there's been a lot of pent up demand over the past two years um, as people have been unable to find new cars that's flowed into used cars. That's why you've seen such outsized price gains within the used car market up almost 40 percent on a year over year basis at one point. So I think it's primarily a supply story. Obviously, now, as you're talking about those financing rates coming up, you know, maybe you do see demand on the margins start to cut away. Um, but still, I think it's mainly a supply story. And the good news is we are seeing supply come up. We, we have seen that auto production over the past four to six months has picked up. Um, that should mean there will be more new cars available in the second half of 2022 and particularly in 2023. Um, so while sales have still been quite limited over to this stage or through the middle stages of 2022, I think there's some pretty good upside when you look towards the, the rest of this year, but particularly over 2023. Ryan, we, we talked a bit about short-term interest rates, particularly what the Fed is doing with monetary policy and the federal funds rate, uh, but long-term rates can tell us a lot as well. And, and long-term rates have moved up. What are we seeing with uh, spreads? Spreads can be a a sign of financial distress in the economy. Are we seeing anything with um, spreads to junk bonds? Are we seeing anything with spreads to high quality corporate bonds that would worry us? 
Um, so we're beginning to see signs that spreads are widening. We are seeing spreads widening. It's a sign at this point of a softening economy. We're not seeing anything close to what we typically see in an outright downturn. So, for example, if we take a look at investment grade spreads, uh, they were below 1%, the spread of high quality corporate bonds to long term benchmark treasury interest rates. Just late last year, those spreads were less than 1%. Now we're getting close to 1.5%. So, we're beginning to see some softness, something similar to what we saw for example, in late 2018, early 2019, when the economy softened. And as I mentioned earlier, that's when the Fed pivoted from tightening to easing in the last cycle. But again, nothing close to what we typically see in an outright downturn, an outright contraction. When the economy went into its brief recession in 2020, those investment grade spreads went over 3.5%, over 200 basis points above where we are today. So, so far, what these numbers are suggesting is the economy is slowing, the economy is going to continue to slow. These numbers aren't yet flagging an outright recession. If we look at equity markets, obviously, they're down. Overall, we usually like to talk about the uh, S&P 500 as a proxy for, for equity markets more broadly. And at one point, not long ago, we were in what we would call a bear market where the level of the S&P 500 index was more than 20% below the, the peak. And the peak, of course, started at right at the beginning of the year. And we're improved a little bit from that bottom in, in the last week or so. But what can you say about, and again, we're not going to do a forecast of the stock prices. We don't do that. But what happens on average with the S&P 500 in bear markets where you don't have a recession, bear markets when you do have a recession? Is there a big difference in the behavior of the stock market? There is a big, big difference. It's a great point. We have had bear markets that have taken place outside of recessions. They've been relatively rare. There have been 13 bear markets in the history of the S&P 500 going back to the 1920s. Ten of those bear markets coincided with economic recessions. And so we had three uh, that took place wholly within economic expansions. And those bear markets that took place within economic expansions that were not accompanied by recessions tended to be much shorter and much more mild than the, than the bear markets uh, that took place with recessions. And so we had a bear market in the early 1960s with no recession. We had one in the mid-1960s with no recession. And then very famously in 1987, punctuated by the crash in October of 1987, we had a bear market uh, with no recession. Those bear markets were very, very short in the 19, uh, the two in the 60s. One was six months, one was eight months. The one in the 1980s, as, as deep as that one-day decline was, was just a four-month bear market. On average, bear markets last for 21 months. Those that take place with recessions or accompanied by recessions last on average longer than two years. And again, the ones that took place without a recession were also more mild. 20, 28% decline in the early 1960s, 22% decline 
in the mid 1960s and then a 33% decline in the uh, the 1980 1987 case on average across all bear markets the S&P is down by over 40% and of course more than that if we isolate those episodes that that were accompanied by recession so we can have a downturn like this without having a recession when we do the bear market tends to be milder and it tends to be much much shorter well i think we'll have to uh finish up for today We're running out of time but i think this is a pretty interesting discussion of, of where we are and where we may be going let me just sum up by saying our our view is that uh, the economy will not be as strong this year as we thought but it's still going to be growing we don't anticipate a recession this year interest rates are going up as the fed tightens Perhaps the Fed will not tighten quite as much as, as, as it thinks right now, that, or at least that it's stated right now. But, you know, I think the jury's still out to whether that will occur or not. And, and if the Fed does tighten as much as it is forecasted to by its own forecast, whether that would lead to a recession, not this year, but perhaps by the end of next year. So let me thank uh, both uh, Brian and Ben for participating today. I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Have a great day. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide N and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2022. Nationwide.